there's a fear that you'll abandon me if I do that. Yes. And I'm like, that blew my freaking mind. I was like, holy crap, no wonder I have sabotaged relationships in the past. Yeah. No wonder for so long I didn't want children. Welcome to The Boundless Self, a podcast that is here to explore all of the ways in which we limit ourselves. Together, we will explore the deep, messy, exciting, and often uncomfortable topics to identify and heal everything that keeps you from believing in your boundless potential. I'm your host, Kathleen McBride, and becoming boundless changed everything for me. Now I run a life and a business embracing my own fears and helping people all around the world to believe in themselves. Tune into each episode and join me on your journey of becoming your most boundless self. All right, welcome back, friends. So this is part two of the conversation with my mother around intergenerational healing. Last episode was so juicy and had so much depth and vulnerability, and you can expect that and so much more from part two. We especially dive into the practical aspect, the how-to, the what we've done, the learnings we've had, if this is something you're looking to embark in on your own healing journey. So please sit back, relax. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to the part one in the previous episode. Otherwise, enjoy. Myself within you, within our line, but also with so many other people Mm. in my business has been this massive wake-up call for me to be like, no, this is exactly, this was right. You know, and I don't say that word very often. I don't say the word perfect very often either, but it was perfect and I grew, like, I grew up with a, a lot of love from you, you know, mm, and yeah. um, well, we, we fought like cat, cat and dog yeah. for a while there, there but <laughs> there was never a shortage of love mm. and there was always, um, always safety, yeah. which, yeah, which I needed, you know, yeah, um, and there was a lot of pressure on you because you were the sole parent and mm. I remember you all the time saying, I feel like I have to play both roles, you know, yeah. Um and it was that journey of no, like you just get to be you, like right. um, you just get to be the magic of who you are. Yeah, and and I have to acknowledge um, my own mother and exactly what you're saying. You know, I'm strong, resilient. I've ended up. You described her as well exactly as I described you. Yeah, because that was the gifts and that's what she modelled mm-hmm. and her trying to heal her part of a trauma yeah you know i'm stubborn <laughs> yes you are my mother would have said you know she could have killed me numerous times because of my stubbornness but that was a gift that she gave me and it has been a gift because that's what's allowed me to, to do what i've done in my yes. life yeah you know? helping all the people that yeah. you have helped and yourself you know Um, And I think that is a beautiful way to look at it because I think the shame can result in us feeling ashamed, feeling we're not good enough, feeling we haven't done a good enough job. But actually we've done the best job within our capacity. It's our willingness and our courage to go forward and to healing is is the gifts that we can actually take from it. Fuck yes. They are priceless. They are priceless. Fuck yes. It's what the... That's what everyone says to me at the end of our coaching journey is this is priceless. Yeah. Like there's no way I could put a dollar value on this, you yeah. know? And it is because it changes everything. Mm. It changes everything. It changes the way you go forward. And what I want to talk about now is the very interesting survival mechanism that we have, which is in one of our core human needs, which is to feel belonging. Yes. And to feel belonging, we like to be the same. You know, this is why cults are so potent because they create that sense of belonging. Even CrossFit gyms, they do this really well. They cultivate a sense of belonging really, really well. And it's one of our core human needs. But what I've, as through my work as a coach within my own life with you and with my own father wound and and daddy issues, what I've noticed is the, the intergenerational stuff is also what binds us. It's mm. also what makes me feel a sense of belonging with you is that connection that we share around the father wound. And yeah. that's where I think it can get very interesting and really a, a big part in the healing with all my clients is recognizing that some of the actions or the choices that they may be making is out of survival, is out of trying to meet that need of I need to belong, so therefore I mimic or therefore I do the same thing as my parent mm-hmm. so that they recognize themselves in me and they will take care of me because obviously yes. I'm theirs. It comes down to even 
how children look or babies look like usually the male, right? Yeah, they usually yeah, look like the father, and that's because they didn't come out of the father, they came <laughs> out of the mother. So there's no way that that baby's mm. not the mother's, but there's always the possibility that might yeah. not be the, well, not always, but there's a possibility that might not be the father's. So well, we have all of these survival instincts and mechanisms within us that operate on a subconscious level. Mm. So without actual daily awareness, you know, yes. um, even we had a great conversation about this, about how, like, mum, you've never been married. Yes. So I've never seen you be married. Therefore, mm. it feels like a bit of an odd concept to me. Mm. And to even think about the idea, this is something one of my coaches actually challenged me around, was to think about the idea of me getting married and having children with a father present in their life. That is something that you've not done and it's something that your mum's mum has never done. Yeah. It's... And, and it's it's quite shocking to the system. It's quite, it. and what I want you to hear from that is that that impacts that need of belonging, mm. right? It, yeah. it pushes on that need of belonging. And the, I remember having a convo about this with you, which was, there's a fear that you'll abandon me if I do that. Yes. And I'm like, that blew my freaking mind. I was like, holy crap, no wonder I have sabotaged relationships in the past. Yeah. No wonder for so long I didn't want children. Mm. That's because of the fact that I was trying to keep and meet that need, that sense of belonging. Yeah. So, so many fascinating things here from this. Um, but what I do want to talk about is the other, the other pains that we've seen as generational healing, as intergenerational healing, the other two themes, which we've kind of touched on, have everything relates back to self-worth, but the two other themes we've noticed have been, like between in our line, have been anxiety and yeah. body image and food. Mm. Um, those are probably two really big ones that yeah. I would love you to just speak to. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the, the body image and the, the food stuff was very much um, from my mother mm -hmm. and partially as a result of her relationship with her father. Um, and, the, I mean, the food was another addiction. So we had the alcohol addiction in the family, um, but, but food is an addiction that I think we finally started as a society to recognise, you know, and it's probably one of the most difficult to heal. And, and it's a beautiful way of self-soothing. And, and for women who've got um, wounds and who don't maybe particularly feel safe in, in male relationships, it's also a great way of changing our body size yes. and how we look. And creating a physical safety. wall, right? Creating yep. a physical wall, but also creating weight. Because I know I went through this phase probably similar to what my mother did after my father left, where remember after my mum died and I was grieving and I was anxious and you were a baby and I just had to So to give context for that, my mum's mum, my grandmother died when I was one from yeah. a heart attack right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. it was quite the traumatic time and yeah. and i do want to acknowledge because we've, we've done a lot of talking about this is that grief really it shook you it rocked mm. you to your core like i i can't even imagine just having a baby and she was going to be your main support yes. system and yeah to be pushed through that almost reliving that abandonment again yeah. you know when you needed yes. someone the most and you had yeah. someone else to take care of yeah so intense so it, it triggered a, a big fear for me that something would happen to me and no one would be around to care for you so as a result of that i started having panic attacks particularly at night when you were in bed i would go into a kind of freeze response um, and obviously, if anyone doesn't know what freeze response is, that's another one of those um, nervous system responses. So mm. we have fight, flight, freeze, and freeze is one of the most scary ones. I'm going to briefly describe this because I actually yeah. think it's really valuable. But um, basically, when something scary happens to you, when your survival is threatened, again, this is a mechanism inside the body. When survival is threatened, so you then have these lists of response that your your body goes through. Okay, how what is the best chance we have of survival? And remember that these I almost like to imagine that these responses are based off uh, a traditional fear, if you will. Which in our world, our fears are a lot of our fears are emotional, but in the world in which we our bodies were almost designed for, which I always refer to as caveman days um, or cave people days, is that 
there's a tiger in front of you. So each of these responses, fight, flight, and freeze, if you think about them as there's a tiger in front of you and your body goes, okay, what is the best chance that I have for survival right now? What is going to support me the most? If the tiger is a further distance away from you, your body's going to so quickly, and this is it all happens at an unconscious level. You won't even be aware of this. Your body, like your mind, measures that distance and goes, how far away do I have time to run? And run, running away is that flight response. So if the tiger's further enough away, your best chance of survival is to run. If you've got, if you've got enough time and enough space, your body will go into flight. Then what happens is if the tiger is a little bit closer to you, but let's say there's a stick next to you as well, your body will go, oh, best chance of survival. We don't have enough time to run. It'll catch us. Our best chance of survival right now is flight. Is, sorry, is fight. So we'll pick up that stick next to us and we're going to have to fight for our life. That's our best chance at survival. Remember, the body is designed to survive. That is, everything is driving. All those unconscious response systems, they are driving survival. They're not driving emotional health. They're driving, I need my body to survive. And then the last response is freeze. And freeze is fucking terrifying because what's happening here is your body has said, the tiger is too close to run. The tiger is too big and too scary and we are weaponless. We don't have anything to fight. Our best chance of survival now is to literally play dead. And what happens in this response system is your body has actually said, we're not going to survive. It is your body's last ditch attempt at creating a painless death for yourself. So that response of freeze tries to withdraw the blood away so that you don't feel as much pain. It, it numbs you in a sense so that you don't feel the pain of that tiger biting you. So it's actually, it's an incredibly scary response. And, and I wanted to describe that because mm. I think many of us, when I heard it described that way, I was like, damn, that makes a lot of sense. But what can happen is, and what happened with mum here, is our bodies develop and choose, not choose necessarily, but develop based on patterns, a home away from home. So often what you might find is, Rather than having that healthy ch choice between of your body going fight, flight, or freeze, what's going to help me here, your body instead goes, what did I do last time to survive this? Because our fears are not so much traditional now. Traditional now, They're not tigers in front of us. They are emotional. They are abandonment. They are you know, fears of things that haven't happened yet. And so the body then goes to its home away from home. We often all have a favorite thing or a, not a favorite, but... Uh, a default, a default position, a default position yeah. exactly. And yeah. for you, it was freeze, and it still is to this day pretty much. You, you freeze and flight a little bit, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, flight and freeze on my two, yeah. yeah. So, so you said um, panic attacks. Sorry, I interrupted you there very yeah, long. But so, so, you know, panic attacks, being on your house at night, mm -hmm. on your own with the baby, you hear a noise, you mm -hmm. think something's going to happen, and, you know, going to a sort of freeze response. Um, so, so I guess another way of managing that anxiety between an addiction, yes. a numbing, yeah. Yes, so, so numbing, numbing um, but also making myself um, bigger to be sexually unattractive mm -hmm. because I was terrified of getting pregnant and being abandoned mm -hmm. again, of course, <laughs> you know, yeah. while I was in this grief yeah. process. So we see how her mum, your past fear, yeah, was present, and like yes. you weren't, you weren't present, right? And yeah, that's what trauma, that's what grief, that's what yeah. God, all of this stuff does is it stops you living in the present. Mm. Instead, you're focused on the fears of the past yes. so much so that you're trying to avoid all yeah, the fear that you have yeah. about stuff that's happened in the past. You spend all of your present time doing that, right? Yes. Which for you was eating. And, 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 and it's not conscious, you know, it's no, not something no. that you're consciously working out. I was in not survival at all. mode. Yeah. I, had a, I had a child to care for mm -hmm. that took and grief. my emotional yeah. energy and I had this grief that I couldn't, mm. didn't have enough emotional energy. So, you know, you go into survival mode and you survive and then it's through the process of the healing, you know, doing your therapy, doing your somatic work that you start to tear to um, kind of tease these apart mm. and then like you see you can actually start to do some some, some healing work, around yeah. it and move from that kind of default switch yes. into making some yeah. space 
and creating safety, safety. Yeah. and then being able to pick what kind of response you actually yeah. want to have. It's creating that pause and that's what, mm. that's what that somatic work does so beautifully yeah. is it helps you to create and resource safety within your own body, mm. which for anyone is a really important skill to be able yeah. to have. Um, and, and for me, that's why that was the missing piece. Yeah, because you did all the cognitive work, all the work yes. up here, which all is what... that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and this is, again, what so many yeah. of us, and I say of us because it's so true, is we can say all the stuff, you know, you can be like, oh, I, mm. you know, I'm feeling this way even though I know I shouldn't be, yeah. but you're still feeling it. It's a feeling. It's not just thoughts that are coming through your head. It's the feeling first, and that's where you get to go and do the work, and that's why personalization on this journey is so important mm. because what works for one person isn't going to work for another Absolutely. and it's why as a coach I choose to empower people to find their own ways of mm. healing and what lands for them whilst like it's what it's why collaboration has been my favorite part of my coaching journey and of becoming a great coach with a beautiful business that produces really incredible life-changing results for people has been collaboration yes. you know knowing that what I teach, not all of it might land and no. I can't do everything. That, that's and right. that's why working, I, I currently work with um, Coach Kyle, who is a coach as well, but he is an emotion and body code practitioner, which is something that mum is studying at the moment. And she's done work with him as well, as have I, and all of my clients I send there because it approaches things from a different lens and it really complements the mm. somatic work and the inner child work that I do with my clients. You know, it's a, it's a full circle, as well as the mindset work, it's a full circle experience. But personalization is so important. Absolutely. And also people are on different stages of their journey and they've got different stresses going on in their life. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes there's a time and a place for a certain modality to land way of yep. working. And then maybe another time you're you're ready for something else or you're more open or you can expand more and be more vulnerable. Yeah. Um, so I think it is really important. I always think of it. I love that Shrek line, you know, where he talks about the onion peeling, peeling the back onion the layers. Yes, the layers. I love that. So and, true. And for me, that's... And that's what healing is. Yeah. It is peeling back the layers. And, yeah. and to some degree, it's also what this intergenerational healing mm. journey has been about for, for, for both of us yeah. has been revealing the stuff that we carry and how that how that's been created either through our own experiences in life or how it's been passed down to us yeah. um, and knowing that it's not your fault that it's here but it is your responsibility now what you choose to do with it and Absolutely. that's why I love that line because it's so empowering and what I would love us to go into next, Mum, is more of this practical aspect of how we've done this mm. intergenerational, generational healing, how we've done this. And a big part of this recently, which I'll just share briefly on, has been me going on the journey to find my own dad, mm. who I had no relationship with, you hadn't seen since I was yeah. six months old. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we've we've gone through that process over the last sort of year and it was something I decided I wanted to do a few years ago, but something that I really struggled with. And again, I want to bring up that sense of belonging, why that need is so important to be able to recognize is because when like the story, when I heard this, and this is where the, the child story or the teen story versus the adult stories that we tell ourselves and how we experience and interpret things is so important to recognize. Yeah. I had this story, mum, for so long that you were so strong and you said no to meeting your meet like wanting your dad to be back in your life because mm. you were so strong you didn't need him you know yeah. and I I remember thinking god and I, I remember thinking so young like feeling guilty going oh but I kind of want my dad in my life you know and this is where it's this is in terms of the how of of doing this type of healing with generations past in terms of the how that has been the how has yeah. been us having these conversations that we and will continue having for the rest of our lives and saying, God, when, when you said this and I was, you know, seven or something, this is what I took from it, yeah. you know? That's, that's um, right. And I remember we had this one 
conversation and this is still a very clear memory in my head and I, I remember we, we I told you about it and you got really you were really hurt yeah. and this is what's been really hard about this work has been not hurting the other person and mm. I notice myself and I'm sure you notice too even same in friendships and relationships Absolutely. you don't want to bring somebody pain so often no. you avoid talking about That's it right. but and you miss and you miss yeah there was one memory that that I had discovered when I was doing some healing around showing up as a coach and showing up online and using my voice and there was this memory that popped up in my head when I was doing some inner child work which was of me telling you I must have been about seven and I wanted to be a journalist and I had like a stick or something in front of me and I was pretending to interview or something like that and the story in my head now remember that memories are not accurate but the stories that we tell ourselves subconsciously they are like this is an imprinted memory on me this is something that I developed a belief around at yeah. a very young age. And I remember you telling me that um, I, I, something like I wasn't, um, I wasn't bold enough to be a journalist. I told you I wanted to be a journalist. You said, you, I, oh, you're not quite bold enough to be a journalist. And you said one of our other friends, who ironically is here with us, said that she would be better as a journalist and I'd be better as a teacher because I'm a bit more quiet, a bit more timid. And it, um, yeah, it, it broke my heart. I was like, I was like, oh, I'm not who I think I am. I like I saw myself as as a kid. I saw myself as this bold, <laughs> courageous, you know, young woman going out and changing the world. And and I remember when I told you about that, and it, it, it caused you a lot of pain. Mm, and then there was, and I remember we spoke about it. You were like, "Fuck, I feel like I'm going to get def- I'm going to get defensive right now." Because you you said to me over and over, you said, "I don't remember that. No, that was not how it went. That was not how yeah. it went." And we had to have this convo where I where I had to ask you to almost let my story be my story yes. whilst acknowledging that memories 100% aren't going to be correct. Yeah. Like, yes. And that was the hardest thing for, for you and yes. for me was to let go of the need to be right, let go of the ego, yes. let go of, oh, my God, I caused my child pain yes. and to say her experience is valid because what I needed from you, and this, this is it here, yeah. what I needed from you in that moment was validation and support. Yes. You know, but we get triggered exactly. Ourselves. We get triggered ourselves, and 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 I think that that's a really important note for parents. You know, it triggers our shame. We've done something wrong, but actually, it's it's where the healing comes. If we can just sit with that discomfort and separate separate it a little bit from our egos, because it is just ego protection. Totally. Yeah. You know, and even not wanting to feel that. that. And even if it didn't happen, like that, that I a hundred percent, yeah, I a hundred percent can can say that 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 might not have even happened. Yeah. Like it might not. Have, I might have had a dream. Who the fuck yes. knows? But obviously, it's had an impact on my life. Yes. Right. And what I wanted from you in that moment was you to to validate me and even you know even say god i'm sorry like yes. i i had no idea that that's the and and just i just wanted to be seen and heard i just wanted us to talk about it and how yeah. how that impacted me and what other you know memories and what other experiences contributed to the fact that for so long i struggled to share my voice confidently yes. like i'm so boldly doing now on this podcast you know and that those are the conversations that we have had over and over mm. and over again have been about and this is literally what this if anyone is going okay how how do you do this generational healing um again i'm going to read that quote again because it was so good building resilience through open and loving communication between generations is what stops generational trauma and and as a parent i'm just speaking from a parent perspective it's also about you doing your own healing so that you can start to become aware of when you're being triggered and why and how do I create safety and space to choose a different response Mm. so we we still have to do that part of the work yeah yeah definitely you know so that those conversations can take place some parents may be amazing at it (laughs) I think your inner critic might be talking mum but a lot of us um yeah yeah, are are sort of scarred by our own experiences of parenting and our parents parents and and like you say that's why it goes on for generations yeah but so so tangibly speaking how we've done this and how we will continue Mm. to do this and we might do another episode on this in another year and then share some experiences. But 
how we've been able to do this has been through having open, loving and honest conversations with each other about everything, yeah. about probably the, th the three things that has centered most around has been mm. those three things I brought up, which was yes. the father wound, the daddy issues, food and body image yeah. and anxiety. Yes. And we've had multiple conversations about this and just recognizing that they bind us in a lot of ways. They bring us together in a lot of ways, but they, that they also aren't serving me and they aren't serving you. And, and a big part of unlearning mm. that is to take that step and say, yeah, this is not helping me get where I want to go. Yeah. And through we've both done, this has been a big key to the how of the work, we've both been very centered in our own work and doing mm -hmm. work on self-awareness and on triggers yeah. to recognize when we're triggered, to recognize when something's upsetting me, to recognize when something isn't feeling good. And I want to talk a bit a, a, to some of the, the boundaries that we've each set with each other yeah. um, around things because that has been a big piece of it, has been yeah. having an, an gen, this generational healing for, for our line has been about feeling enough. Isn't it? It's about, about healing that wound of I'm not enough and instead yes. feeling I'm enough just as I am. Yes. I don't need to change. I don't need yeah. to be something different. No. I don't need to be thinner. I don't need to be sexier. I don't need to be more successful. I don't need to be better. I don't need to be right. It's I'm good enough and I'm worthy of love just as I am. Yes. That's been what this is about for us. And some of the symptoms and the ways that this wound shows up for, for both of us really has one of the big ones has been food and body image mm -hmm. and I grew up watching mum do Weight Watchers her whole life. <laughs> and, um, and um, you know, oh, fuck, what was it? The bloody, well, I mean, you didn't buy it, but I had a friend that bought Ab Circle Pro off the infomercials and, you know, all that sort of stuff and the, mm. the, the crash diets and the cleansers and whatnot. And for me, this, like, I really struggled with this. And like I said, I had that, that early on anxiety when I was a baby about vomiting. Yeah. And... It's always been something I've struggled with my whole life. And now I'm like, no wonder it manifested as an eating disorder, you know? Yeah. Um, but a big part of our journey has been, has been me having the, the courage and bravery and fear yes. to set a boundary with you to ask you not to do something or yes. to ask you, or actually not to ask you not to do something, but to tell you, hey, this is how this makes me feel. Well, actually, what you were doing was cueing me in. Yeah, cueing you, cueing you rather, into what rather was... Rather than miscuing Yeah, cueing you in as to how that was yes. triggering me and adding to the trigger and adding to the wound that I was trying to heal of yeah. I'm not good enough. Instead, I knew that the healing... When I operate in coaching, I always have the, the wounded belief and the healing belief. Mm. And the wounded belief was I'm not good enough. And the healing belief is I'm good enough just as I am. So it was doing this big evaluation and, and being really learning to somatically and in my head mm. be aware of my triggers. So we had a, we've been on holiday, um, not on holiday, we've actually been on a big journey, but yeah, we've been overseas for the last month and uh, I knew a big thing for me, like I have been on this journey of I've not been weighing myself probably the last year and a half, um, allowing myself to fluctuate with my weight, allowing myself to eat intuitively and... I knew that coming on this holiday would be all this trip away and spending more time close together. I knew some, that would be triggering for yeah. both of us, right? Because we eat in different ways and we speak about food in different ways. And I'm very much in this style now where I'm like looking at all of the behaviors in which I used to justify my food. I remember having big conversations. Yes. We'd go, I remember we got into this habit of going at the end of the day and we'd go through what we ate that day and justify why we ate those things and I I still find myself doing it but doing this work I've gone holy fuck this is not a helpful behavior this is not helping me and going I don't need to justify why I'm eating this food or I don't yeah. need to justify why I spent the whole day in bed yesterday I don't need to justify why I didn't go for a run today I don't need to justify anything right um I don't need to comment on the amount of food that I'm eating and conversation that we had just recently we were in that beautiful found this amazing bakery that did the most delicious cinnamon <laughs> cinnamon buns and mum kept saying this is a good example of trying mum kept saying I don't want to go OTT with my food on this holiday and she keep even even now when I when I think about you saying OTT with your little head he'd kind of shake I get like I get a bit triggered you know um 
And of course, that's my thing, right? That word doesn't trigger mum, it triggers me, right? And that's my thing. And, and a big part of this journey, doing the inner child work and the reparenting has been, and what this has been about is learning that I'm not just a child anymore. I'm an adult who can ask for my needs to be met because you're, you're another person in my life that I love and I get to teach you how to treat me. And that is what building self-worth looks like, having having that ability to go, okay, yeah, I'm worthy enough to ask someone how to treat me, you know, because there's so much fear. There used to be, if I would think about saying something like that to you five years ago, mm. abandonment would have come up straight away. I would have gone, yeah. fuck, if I tell mum to stop saying OTT around food, she would have, she'll leave me. She'll get, like, she'll get mad, she'll leave, she'll never talk to me again. That would be the fear that come up. Yeah. But in all the beautiful work that we've done, and I know that that would never happen, by the way. No. I want to acknowledge that. But that would be what my fear <laughs> voice will, would yeah. say. Of course, that's your, yeah. your younger self. Exactly. But, but now I feel so secure and so, especially, this is, this is probably my easiest relationship to set boundaries in now. It was the hardest to begin with, but it's the yes. easiest now because we've done it so many times and we've had so many conversations and I fucked it up too many times as well and we've had to repair that and figure it out, you know. But I asked mum at the table and instead of, and with boundaries, this is so key, going to seed my boundaries workshop here as well. Um, if you're looking to set boundaries in a strong, healthy way, you've got to get on this boundaries workshop. I'll link it below. Um, I didn't want to over-explain my boundary with it so instead of going into a big conversation which I is something I used to do at the beginning I used to really open up a big convo and and really lay the groundwork and get really emotional with it instead of doing that in this bakery I just said mom can you stop saying um OTT around food it's like it's really triggering me and I don't want to I don't want to have that fear anymore like I don't want to get triggered by it anymore can we use a different word or can we can we not have that fear spoken aloud all the time and you were just like, oh, okay. And and that was it, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was really, really simple. And uh, But I'd love you to speak, what was that like for you? Still quite difficult, obviously, because um, I guess what that does is it highlights my stuff around sort of food and needing to control food. But at the same time, really respecting the fact that my adult child can, can just voice her need and cue me in and put a boundary in place hell yeah oh. yeah and and so as an adult and as a mother i ha i want to respect that mm. um so yeah so i think it's really good and i think i just want to catch the word that you use because i don't think we've mentioned this as well as that repair repair exactly yeah relationship repair we get so worried about damaging relationships and you know like you see your fear five years ago mum will leave me even though yeah. we knew that wasn't a realistic fear it was your your younger child's fear so we avoid so one of the things that I think my mother did really well teaching me because we had quite a volatile relationship at times because of her trauma but she was really good at repair work yeah you know after we'd had a big fang do or whatever a fang do she would always repair. because I had a, an either a freeze or a flight response mm. because I couldn't fight back mm. you know she would always come and do that repair work. Wow. So I learned that repair stuff. And you did that really well with me. Yeah. yeah. I've struggled with it in some of my other relationships, but not in my mother-child relationship. And again, looking back at that link and the, the beliefs that we have experienced generationally when it comes mother to daughter, mother to daughter has always been a safe relationship. Right. It's been daughter to father that's been the unsafe yes. one you know yeah mm. so relationship repair I think is pivotal in this work because it can be uncomfortable changing these these sort of intergenerational patterns yeah. of behavior oh, to and how we totally. act but we can always repair yeah. if, if we've got that trust and yeah. willingness between us and that's probably been the key yeah. has been and I think why I've actually found it easier and easier with you has been I know I'm going to fuck this up yeah. I, I know I'm going to mess up setting a boundary I know I'm probably going to hurt you from time mm. to time but I have so much trust in us now because we've done it so many fucking yeah. times yeah. I know that no matter what I do 
we will always repair and we'll always be safe. Yeah. I know, like I know that in my bones, I know that in my body, it's it's changed at a nervous system level for me, you know? It has. Yeah. And I think as well, because you set the groundwork with me, you cued me in way back around how I need to do this stuff, but I find this really difficult and it triggers A, B and C. It would be really helpful if you could respond in this way or, or give me or support mm -hmm. me with this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So even if I've been triggered, I've been able to create space and think, actually, Here's what this is something needs. that Kathleen's working on and she's she's explained this to me and I can support her with this. And within this safety and this creating a boundary and this relationship repair, that furthers my own healing mm. Because it's so good, then I yeah. haven't let my ego necessarily jump in and respond. So, so you know, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a two-way process. Yeah. It's mattering. Totally, totally. And I truly believe that has been the key thing that has led to us doing all of this healing work to the point now where we've gone on a journey mm. together yeah. To find my own father. Yes. Which I think is the most mind, and I will do a podcast episode on this one time, but the most mind boggling thing to me was mm. to have my mother alongside me and to literally be there with me every step of the way. Like it, it boggled me. It still does that you were able to do that for me, that you were able mm. to support me in that way. And it was the most, it was exactly what I needed. To, to go on that journey to find yeah. my father, which is something I've always wanted to do. Yes. But like I said, I always had that fear that, and this is you know what we spoke about before, always had that fear that it would hurt you, just like you said, you know, it would hurt your, you yes. were fearing it would, if you yes. started the relationship with your father, it would hurt your mother. Yeah. I had that fear too, right? And I also had this fear that if I went out and sought out my father, I wouldn't be like you because you were the strong person who didn't need their father. And I felt like this weak <laughs> little girl who was like I want my dad you know and so that's has been a big part of the healing for me has been talking about that to mum and realizing yeah. having a the massive open conversation mm. that that was a front for her and yeah. hearing one of the most powerful things I think you said and what probably pushed me to really go on that journey you spoke about the regret yes. you spoke about the regret that you have and yeah. not and, and not yeah. and not being vulnerable enough to actually take that yeah. step you know and that was that was absolutely yeah. powerful that vulnerability that's that honesty yeah. between us was yeah and, but also as well it, it highlights for me how we do create our own stories and that's how we miscue because i've i've always wanted you to find yeah. exactly that's the key role. right and i've i've we've you used know. that word queuing yeah. and miscuing quite a lot i just want to describe that queuing basically means like queuing somebody in. here's how i want to be treated here's mm. what's going to help me um, here's, here's what I want, mm. right? Versus when you miscue someone, which is exactly what happened there with the with me wanting to find my father, but thinking as a child that my mum didn't want me to find my father, or that you know, if you're if you find your father, you're going to be weak instead of strong. That was miscuing when really mum 100% wanted me to go and find my dad. She yeah. and she was always super open. Like, you were always so open with me mm. about finding my dad. You always checked into me around it. We always had conversations around it. But just that one little piece yes. miscued me into thinking that yeah. if I found my father, right. it would hurt you or I wouldn't be strong like you. Mm. You know, that it was weak to need a father yeah. and want to have a desire to have that father in my life. And that's why this, this has been so important. And... Yeah. Again, coming back to the how, I think we're in a really privileged position to have the relationship that we do. And I want, yeah. but I want to acknowledge the work that has gone into this yes. and the yeah. the pain and the <laughs> the triggers and the the cocking it up, the the messing it up, the mm. trying again, the coming back, the apologising, the trying once more. And I know that we'll continue to do that for the rest of our lives. But absolutely, what do you think of the other? hows or top tips when it comes to intergenerational or generational healing um well i think first of all recognizing that there is patterns yeah actually step, step one yep self-awareness your different relationships and the different things in your life and starting to pinpoint some of that and then 
starting to look back at your family mm-hmm. generationally and if you st- and seeing those patterns. and if you can look up to three generations back yeah. I think that would be a really really good place yes. for you to start and obviously it's, it's tricky though if you don't know your family like, I don't know I don't I don't know well I'm getting to know him but I don't know my dad's family I don't know what's going to happen on that mm-hmm. side and I'm, I'm curious about it you know about how yeah. that's impacted me from another side you know um so do what you can but start with you start with you and the patterns that are present in your own life start with the relationships that you're bringing and start with the issues that you have in your friendships start with the the places of stickiness and unease start with the things you're not saying start with the things you continuously repeat start with the dream that you have that you've not done start with your fear I'd say probably discovering and this is exactly what we do inside each of my coaching programs it's all centered around the core wound or the root cause as some people call it but identifying what's at the core of everything and for me and for you because usually generationally they're the same and for us it was that wound of self-worth that um, linked to the father wound I'm not good enough right I'm not good enough as I am and getting really clear on that and then if you can if you are in a position to be able to open up and have conversations with the people in your family that's incredible for you to do. Mm-hmm. If you're not, start identifying what that feels like in your body. Because yeah. remember, sometimes we don't even need to know this stuff. Like, like I said, I described to you, I knew in my body that this distrust of men, I knew that it wasn't mine. I knew that that underlying anxiety was not mine. It yeah. didn't, I didn't have enough experience with men in my life to have felt that from such a young age. It was, it was a real wake up call for me to go, damn, I'm carrying this from someone else, you know? And that's why I've loved doing the more spiritual work, the energy work, the subconscious work, the emotion code, the, and the somatic work as well, because you feel the stuff in your body. Mm. So start with, what do you feel? Start with doing some somatic work, start with your patterns, and if you can and you're in a position to start with having and opening up those conversations, learn how to set boundaries, learn how to communicate, learn how to ask for what you need. And over time, what that's doing is that's healing that core wound, it's rebuilding your self-worth, that belief that you have in yourself, that you are worthy of unconditional love just as you are. Yeah. And that is the thing that I think will heal us all and will heal the world, is you are worthy of unconditional love just as you are. And... It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing, but it's it's also hard. It is hard, and I just really want to highlight that there, I think as a society, we've got a lot of shame around actually um, acknowledging vulnerability, acknowledging anxiety, acknowledging depression, but they're very prevalent, and they are have often been carried through generations. And sometimes we can do this work on our own, but sometimes we need professional support as well. And that's great. It actually takes a lot more courage to to stand out and and do this work and seek support than it does to continue business as usual. Yeah, and what it takes a lot of courage, but it also takes a lot of... It takes up a lot of energy. It it's very, it's, don't get me wrong, it's fucking hard to go and do the work. Mm. It's fucking hard to go seek out some support or have these conversations or even just look at yourself in a new light. But it's also hard to just continue. It's also yes, hard it to keep reliving your pain over and That's over right. again. There. It feels easy. It feels, yeah. and, but this but is the key. Not. It feels technically easy, but yeah. what it actually is is it feels safe. Yes. But that definition of safe, is it's only safe because it's what you know. It's safe because it's what you're used to. Yeah. Remember, another one of those survival instincts that are built into us is anything that's new, your brain interprets as unsafe. So that's why joining a coaching program, God booking in to go see a therapist, going to see your doctor even, or going to have a conversation with someone about this stuff, if you've never done it before, even if you have done it before, it's probably going to feel absolutely terrifying. But there's a reason behind that. And there's power in recognizing that 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 fear is not necessarily you. That fear is an unconscious system built into your survival instincts Mm. over anything that's not the same as what you're experiencing. Anything that is new will be interpreted as scary to your body. And that's because your body doesn't want you to do it. Your body wants you to stay the same. Your body wants you to feel safe all the time. And the easiest way to stay safe is to stay within your comfort zone 
and your comfort zone is exactly what you know. It's where you are right now. It's the pain that you experience right now, and it's also the joy that you experience right now. It's everything you currently experience that is what's within your comfort zone. What is known is safe. What is unknown is unsafe. So it takes a buttload of courage to do that, but it also takes a buttload of energy to keep going and a lot of pain. So choose your level of hard, you know, and um, and start small. And start small. Start small within yourself. And what I baby steps. What I would recommend from here, in terms of if you are looking to start this work, and Mum, feel free to chime in from a mental health perspective. There is a huge difference between um, the mental health arena and coaching, and this has been something Mum and I love talking about because it is really different, you know. And coaching is fucking incredible it has all of this beautiful openness and a shame-free place to come and explore all aspects of yourself there are so many modalities there are so many different things you can feel and experience but coaching is in no way going to help you heal the root of your trauma or any you know things like that but what it will help you is exploring the stuff that you already know and giving you enlightenment around how it might be impacting you but it's what's important here is to recognize it's stuff that you are aware of and stuff that you already know and how it's impacting you now. And what the difference is with coaching is that it really is focused on impacting how you show up, how you show up in your present life to change your future. So co- most coaching predominantly is future focused. It's about changing how you show up so that your future is different to your past. The mental health arena, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I would say more with traditional therapy is... Um, and counseling, it is about your past. It is about going in and processing unprocessed things that live there. But while there are, within the realm of both these different modalities, like the emotion code and like somatic work and all these different experiences, so you know you best, follow your intuition, follow your own guidance, follow what feels right for you. Where I would recommend if you were like edging to start this work and you want something small to start off with, would be in a child work. And like I said, I have my amazing, I think it's almost two hours, but it's split up into a few things, um, but in a child workshop, it is 33 New Zealand dollars and it will support you in starting to identify some of these patterns that you have been experiencing and making a connection with the youngest, most vulnerable part of you that holds all of your fear, but also holds all of your creativity and all of your joy. And it's one of the coolest places to start. And it is a prerequisite for every single one-on-one client that I work with. They all have to have completed that before they start our journey together because it's a really big portion of the work. From there, if you're looking to start one-on-one coaching or if you're wanting to work in a group with me, please send me a DM or take a look at my website. I will link my current offers below. I currently have space for four more one-on-one clients starting from mid to end October. And then I have something very um, juicy that will be happening later on that I will share soon. If you would like to apply for some coaching or you want to talk more about it, the best way to do this is to book in a discovery or connection call with me. This is a free 30-minute chat where we actually talk about you. We try and get to the root cause in that 30 minutes and we try and understand you a bit better and I will share how coaching how coaching works and how it operates and you will get to make an empowered choice as to whether coaching is something that's going to support you in getting where you want to go. So that's how that goes down. And then from there, you get to make the choice. There is no pressure from that call. I know there's a lot of um, ideas that go around that if you hop on that call, that it's going to be like a sales call and you're going to have to sign up. But I really want to preface that's not what that's about. It's 30 minutes of you and me connecting and seeing if coaching is something that's going to support you getting to the place that you want to go and you making an empowered choice from that place, not me. So that is where I'd recommend to start and I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. What a juicy convo with my amazing mother. So many different perspectives here. Mum, do you have any final words of wisdom or love, vulnerability you want to share? Um, no, just, just you know, start somewhere and seek support if you're, if you're really struggling. Yeah, start somewhere um, and seek support. I love that. And, and there is no shame around mm. seeking support. Yeah you know absolutely yeah. my dms are always open please pop me a message if you're looking for resources um that are going to support you no matter mm. what stage you're in um and yeah watch this space so many more episodes coming that are going to be amazing if you loved this podcast 
obviously this is a new growing podcast it would mean the world to me I know you hear this at the end of every podcast but it would mean the world to me if you could share this with somebody share it and tag me in your stories and give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify wherever you listen and spread the word about intergenerational healing and how it can impact you your life and how you show up and read the book it didn't start with you you will not regret that one bit great book, great book. and also peter levine's um, somatic and kids chasing the tiger or waking the tiger which oh. kind of explains the whole um sort of fight flight freeze response yeah and how somatic um, practice work was was developed so that's a nice easy one as well beautiful all right loads of great resources out there beautiful thank you so much for your vulnerability today mum. and to all of you listening at home have the most beautiful day bye Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Boundless Self podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I want your help as this podcast is brand spanking new. Please leave a review and give it five stars as this really helps the podcast to be more visible on my podcast hosting platforms. And the number one thing you can do to help is to please share this. Share this episode with anyone you think wants to be or is already on the journey to becoming boundless. Share this to your social media stories and make sure to tag me. I'm at Kathleen.MindsetCoach. This podcast is going to be packed full of value. And speaking of, the first five people to give this podcast a five-star review on your podcast platform, I am giving away a copy of my incredible inner child workshop. This is a 90-minute journey packed with tools, learnings, practices, and a seven-day support journey for once you've finished the workshop to heal your inner child valued at $44. The first five people to send me a screenshot to me of their five-star review will be given a copy. Please DM your screenshot to me on Instagram. I'm at Kathleen.MindsetCoach or email KathleenMindsetCoach or one word at gmail.com. If you are struggling and want further support with everything I've spoken about today, you've loved the vibe of this podcast, there are multiple ways to work with me. Check out my website, which is kathleen.mindsetcoach.com to see the options. Right now, I have four spots open to join my signature 12-week one-to-one transformation program. This program is a place of deep healing and transformation for those of you who know you've been carrying some stuff around for way too long and you're ready to deal with your shit. You just know that change is possible. Inside of this program, we work very closely together with myself, and another practitioner to help you on the journey of making your dream life a reality. We do this by finally learning to take the action instead of feeling stuck all the time. The spots to start this program start very soon. So if you're curious, the best way to learn more is by booking in a free connection call with me. I'll drop the link to my calendar below in the show notes. This is a free 30 minute chat, just you and me to really get to know each other, explore the areas that you've been struggling in and explore how this program can help you on your journey to becoming boundless. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Here's to becoming your most boundless self and I will see you in the next episode.